the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Good afternoon to you, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to Southern California Live. I'm Scott Furrow, your host and former IT operator for the Russian Federation. Not kidding, but if you're following that story today about Putin's big speech, uh, it got cut off all of a sudden. And uh, they said it's a technical glitch or it might be uh, sabotaged by somebody. But uh, I think that's kind of funny. There's some IT guy who's in a lot of trouble, maybe not alive which is not really funny, but that might be the case anyway. Welcome to Southern California Live. Good to be with you. I've been trying to figure out today, you know what I'm talking about? Putin gave a big rally. So what we've seen recently is Vladimir Putin for months, you know, you know, miles away from everybody, sitting on the other end of this long table with other people on the other side. And he looks like a James Bond villain from those bad James Bond movies. And, uh, it's crazy, right? Well, all of a sudden now he's in this big rally. He's coming into the stadium. All these people are waving flags. And all day I've been trying to figure out what the Russian word is for Nuremberg. Not sure how to translate it. And I mean 1936 Nuremberg, not the trials afterward. The weird, creepy speech that Hitler gave to uh, 800,000 Germans right before the war. That's what this looked like. Bothers me. Bothers me quite a bit. Anyway, I'm going to talk a little bit about Russia this hour. However, this is Open Line Friday. And what I like to do on Fridays with you is open the phones to anything you want to talk about. So I will change the subject, and uh, you can give me a call. The number is 888-528-2557. That's 888-LA-TALKS, 888-528-2557. Put that in your phone so that you always are ready to join our conversation. So anything that's on your mind, you can Join me, and I'll change the conversation. You got a question for me about the Bible, question about something in the news, anything that's on your mind, let's have a little family discussion today. I'm ready. I've got my coffee, the brew of the believer, and I'm ready to be with you here this afternoon. We are live in Southern California from 3 to 5 each and every weekday right here on KPRZ in San Diego and KKLA, where I am in KKLA 99.5 FM, bringing you to the table for some encouragement, some fun, and some conversation about the issues of the day from a Christian perspective. And it's great being with you. I uh, was on the air Tuesday and Wednesday this week, but uh, now I'm going to be on today and all of next week, most of next week. I'm not on Friday next week. 888-LA-TALKS is the number, 888-528-2557. And if you can't make a call right now, you can email me at SoCalLive at KKLA.com, SoCalLive at KKLA.com. All right, anything on your mind? So, so many things to get into today, lots of things in the news, and we've got two hours to get into some things and your thoughts. Some things about what's going on in uh, Russia to follow up, and a point I want to make about it that uh, is is very disturbing. Uh, This is not the disturbing part, but I did think this was interesting. All these fast food joints and other American companies are shutting down in Russia. McDonald's is gone Starbucks is gone. Most of the fast foods are gone. But Burger King is not closing down. Did you know that? Others have, but not Burger King. And why would they? Because Burger King is a totalitarian system. It's a monarchy. Why would they be opposed to what's going on in Russia? They fit right in, right? In fact, Burger King is threatening its neighbor Arby's with a hostile takeover, believing 
that the meats actually historically belong to Burger King anyway, and they're flame broiler. I'm just kidding about that. The actual reason, the actual reason uh, is that um, Burger King is just franchised differently, and there's a lot of Russian franchisees, I guess, and different companies doing that who are saying, you know what, we ain't closing. Um, And you have to imagine if everybody else is closed, if I can't go get a Big Mac and I can't go get a Wendy's or whatever they got, and you're Burger King and you're these Russian uh, franchise owners, you're saying, you know what, this is a great opportunity. Everybody's closed but us. We're going to reintroduce the Whopper to everybody. All right, speaking of Whoppers, I want to talk about the things that Putin has to say. Uh, Today he gave this crazy speech, and uh, it is disturbing. As a historian, you know, when you take a look at World War II, and everybody's got the World War III stuff going on, we don't really know if this is World War III that's going to happen right now. But it could be. could be, you know, the Ukrainians want us to believe we're already in it, so stop messing around. That's what their message is to all of us. Uh, most of the world is saying, well, let's wait and see. We don't want to cause World War III if it's not already happening. But when you see Putin come out to this huge crowd of people waving flags, according to the Washington Post, a lot of these people were forced to be there by their employers, bust in from different places. And that has been the Russian way for 100 years with, uh, from the government. I, and I want to be careful about saying Russian. When I say that, I mean, I mean the government. I don't mean people who are there. There might be people there who are confused by the propaganda and and believe what they believe, but you know they're being they're being fooled. And this is what Putin keeps saying, and he said this in his speech today. And he's looking. Uh, you he did not come out uh, without a shirt, and that was positive. But he did come out dressed pretty nice, and he said that neo Nazis and extreme nationalists in Ukraine are committing genocide. That's kind of been his argument that the Ukrainians are committing a genocide and that we need to go in and stop it. We're going to come in as, as you know, as saviors, as people who are um, rescuing all of these people. And he keeps making these claims in order to justify the invasion to uh, the Russian people. And the Kremlin, the government, keeps using the same phrases, and that's the basic idea of the propaganda against Ukraine. And then a speech got cut off, which is kind of uh, kind of funny. And one person who is part of a group called the Anti-Corruption Foundation of uh, said that, well, or sabotage. Makes you wonder, right? Does it, do, you, do you wonder? I've had this thought. People are, are criticizing President Biden and others in the West for not helping more. Lots of discussion ramping up on do we send the planes and what is the, you know, what's the difference between giving drones that can fire weapons and giving MiGs that can fire weapons, right? That's a big conversation. And like, what is the philosophical difference? So we're okay with the drones that can fire missiles, but we're not okay with the MiG-29s that can fire missiles. And for whatever reason, our government has said, nope, if we give them the MiGs, then uh, that starts a bigger war with Russia. If we give them the drones, that doesn't count. I don't know. That's, that's kind of what it is. But I do wonder this. I do wonder, and I guess I hope a little bit, that we're saying one of the things that the president keeps getting criticized for, and I would join with it unless there's something strategic, is he keeps saying what we're not going to do. Right? He's very clear. We're not going to join this in a shooting war. We're not going to get into a shooting war with Russia. There's never going to be boots on the ground. We're not going to do it. Okay. And a lot of people are critical, um, and I think rightly so. Like, it's an odd thing to tell the enemy what you're not going to do because what you're doing is tacitly giving that person permission to come up right to that line or to cross it and test it out, right? 
But there is another side here. The other side is maybe we keep saying what we're not going to do so that we draw attention away from all the other stuff we are doing, such as maybe cutting off their uh, IT at the big speech, such as maybe there are American forces there training people, Navy SEALs. You know, who knows what we're doing? I'll, you know, we won't find out for a long time, but I wouldn't be surprised if we're a lot more involved in what we say. And if we are, the Russians probably know that. But, you know, for public, anything that's said on all sides, you gotta, you got to take it with a grain of salt. It's a lot of propaganda, a lot of politics, a lot of, you know, manipulation of, of the facts and different things. So, you know, just I guess we just watch and we pray is what we do. Uh, the uh, President Putin goes on to call people traitors. Traitors uh, are people who are supportive of the West in his country. He's arrested many. And uh, he calls them fifth columnists. I had to look that up. But I guess the idea of the, maybe you've heard this, the fifth columnists, four columns that are holding up any organization, your company or your business, and they're the, the foundational principles of what you're trying to do. It could be in the church, right? The fifth column is a useless person in there who is uh, trying to disrupt things from the inside. Like you don't really need a fifth column. If you're holding something up, you need four, but you don't need the fifth. The fifth one is trying to be something that they're not. You ever have that problem? That problem happens in companies, it happens in churches, it happens all over the place. Uh, that's what he's claiming anybody is who disagrees with him. So this is what he claims. He claims it is to get people out of their misery, out of this genocide, and that is the main reason, quoting this from the Washington Post, the motive and purpose of the military operation that we began in Donbass and Ukraine. And this, and this is what he said, and this is what I want to bring to your attention and caution you, everybody, okay? And this is where the words from the scriptures come to my mind. There is no greater love than if someone gives his soul for his friends. A variation of John fifteen thirteen. So Putin is out there, like a lot of politicians we know, quoting the Bible out of context and uh, using it to try to leverage people's thoughts. He said that Russian soldiers were fighting shoulder to shoulder, supporting and covering one another and upholding Christian values. We haven't had such unity for a long time, he said. I want to make this point, and I think it's important that I make it because I'm concerned that some, even in the Christian faith, are claiming that Putin is upholding Christian values. And I think he, in a maybe brilliant, hopefully not, propaganda move, is trying to stoke that a little bit by quoting Scripture. First of all, uh, this has to do with the sacrifice of sins and sacrifice for other people. And that's not what's happening in Ukraine. Whatever you think of the situation, and there are great reasons to criticize the Ukrainian government and great reasons to criticize Zelensky if you want to, and all of that, what's happening in Ukraine is horrific. It is evil to the core. And bringing in the words of Christ to try to justify it is evil to the core. And I'm telling you this because I've heard it and I've seen it from some Christians who are saying, well, the Russians uphold Christian values. And that's typically because they are not tolerating the transgender stuff that we are in our culture, and they're not tolerating gay marriage and some other things like that. And indeed, that is used by the Russians, but it's also used in Islamic countries as criticisms against the West, uh, as that these are immoral cultures. And look at what they're doing. They don't know if they're men or women over there. You know, and, and that's something that is being used against us. And it makes sense that they would use that against us in a way because it doesn't make any sense. But it doesn't justify how they treat people, by the way, who might be gay or transgender, the kill them, throw them off of buildings. It's the whole other side of it. 
this is not a Christian person. This is a person who has been building up the Orthodox Church in Russia and saying, hey, look, I am uh, a churchgoer now, and I'm building up the church. But he's only building up the church that's in his pocket in Russia. And he is, in fact, coming against the evangelical church. Did you know this? That Russia, for the first time, I believe in 2020, now appears on the Open Doors website in the top countries that are most hostile to Christianity that are most hostile to the gospel. And I want us to know that. It is not a justification of anything that maybe Ukrainians have done or the battle that's between Russia and Ukraine. There's a lot of, you know, inside family stuff going on in this war. I understand that. A lot of people married into each other's families, a lot of history there, a lot of stuff there and everything. But do not go down. My friends, please, are you, are you with me here? Do not say that Putin is some kind of representative of Christianity because he might agree with you on a couple of moral principles. He is leading Russia to be a place that is using the church for propaganda the same way that lots of countries have done, the same way that you know, some communist countries back in the day, even in China today, you can have a church as long as the government allows you to have it, and as long as you don't do church outside the walls of those buildings or if the church is making you money or helping you launder things in a different way, it's okay. And it isn't that some people in those churches aren't true believers, that the Holy Spirit can work in amazing ways, but do not be confused. Do you understand where I'm coming from? So let's make sure that we're not making excuses for Putin on, on those bases. And when he comes out there and he uses the Scripture in this way, my friends, it's offensive. Um, war is is terrible. If we get drawn into this war, or many of you have fought in in wars that have an ambiguous moral call that we've had, or you fought, if you're older, you fought in World War II, which was less ambiguous for sure, but you still did things that were pretty terrible. War is always terrible and full of sin and atrocities from all sides. It's, it is the greatest, the greatest symptom maybe of the fall of the entire uh, bit of humanity, how we treat each other. It's horrible. I, I counseled a, a a veteran of World War II one time, older guy who was just pouring his heart out to me of things that he had to do for the United States in World War II. And he was a he was a hero. He was a spy. I mean, it was incredible stuff he had to do and stuff. He was, he was a spy in Germany in World War II, and he survived it. But he had to do some awful things, some things that were not Christ-like, some things that are pretty bad. And I know many of you listening have had that kind of thing. Anyway, I wanted to uh, get that out there as we're, we're watching Putin and what's there. The number is 888-LA-TALKS, 888-528-2557. This is Southern California Live. Scott Furrow with you today. And it's Open Line Friday, so we'll talk about anything that's on your mind. And I've got things to talk about, but we'll talk about anything. Let's go to Tammy in Ontario. Tammy, thanks for holding. Welcome to Southern California Live. Hi, can you hear me? I can hear you, Tammy. Hi. Yeah, I was just calling to uh, just to put out there um, with I hope a lot of believers will start um, standing up to the Disney Land Corporation. They are really heading the 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 parade for uh, LGBs. It's kind of like the heterosexuals are kind of get pushed aside. I know you, they're planning they're, to walk they're, out in Florida. Are they a part of the like the like Anaheim's Pride Parade or or something like that? Or is yes. there something actually going There's on a, inside Disneyland? Yes, and the the bill, the CSC, let's see, uh, CH 
um, SB, it's a parent's rights uh, just passed in um, Florida, don't say gay, and right, that, basically that the parents are taking back the rights. And I know the employees down there are going to, um, they're planning a walkout. And I would, I, my thing is, I just wish that more Christian believers would need to pull back on their passes, uh, maybe cancel their Disney Prime, um, maybe fight for, I've even thought about calling Disneyland and saying, okay, where's my heterosexual day? Why can't, why are they making a day for a man and a woman to celebrate their love at Disneyland? It's just getting overboard where, um, it's, it's just getting out of hand. My kids are older, but I know my girlfriend is going through a thing right now down here in the Chino Hills district where they are trying to, uh, pass, uh, a parent, um, uh, bill where they're going to teach a seven year old, uh, sex education, um, mm-hmm. how to put on a condom. Um, you know, uh, if you don't feel like a little girl, you don't have to be a girl. If yes. you're, you know, this type of thing, it's just, it's, it blows my mind. Uh, and, that, and, and you know what, Tammy, it's, it is everywhere. And I think that you're right. Tammy, thank you for calling us at Southern California live. You know, it is, it is, everywhere and you know something when it comes to to disney and it's a secular corporation and they're they're out there to raise money and there's different groups doing things and the i think they have gay days at disneyland but it's not disneyland sponsored it's some other group doing it but disneyland is like well if we get a bunch more people in the park okay they make some money but something that i would really and i'm not saying that's okay i'm just saying that's what's going on out there but something that i think is insidious about what's happening here and something that, unfortunately, Disneyland decided to step in it, Disney Company, and uh, not Disneyland here, but it's the same company. It's, this is in Orlando. If you're not familiar with it, you probably have heard, if you're watching the news, there was a bill that was passed in Florida. They call it the Don't Say Gay Bill, but that's really the the propaganda from that side of the argument. It's really the let's not teach sex ed or push transgenderism or any kind of sexual teaching to kids um, from kindergarten, from pre-K up to third grade. And it's, you know, that's, they're saying we don't need to be teaching our kids this. And I think one of the things that is super tragic, Disney stayed out of it. Disney was under tremendous pressure from, it is coming from the far left. I hesitate because I feel like there's an issue here that is not right and left, that this is an issue about our kids, that if we can stop being just contrarian to what the other side says, that parents and people who are on the right and left, whoever you vote for, you've got to be opposed to teaching sex ed. And like she just said, putting condoms on if you're seven years old, you can't be for that. Whatever you can't, I don't want my kids hearing that stuff from a heterosexual standpoint at that young age. Why are we doing that? And Disney stayed out of it. They stayed out of it. They stayed out of it. And I was watching this and I was thinking to myself, you know what? Good for them. They need to stay out of it. The the Sesame Street people, and maybe they've changed it, but a few years ago there was a big push to coming from the far left to have Bert and Ernie come out as gay. And you know, there was just all this pressure. And at the time, the way they finally remember this is a secular company, right? The way they came out of it is they said, Look, our puppets are non sexual. And we're not going to discuss it. We're not going to go there. We're not going to talk about it. That's not what we're about. That's not what's going on here. And I thought, you know what? That's a pretty good way to just diffuse it. We're talking about Muppets. We're talking about Bert and Ernie that every kid, you know, there's, I don't even think there's a thing there. And if there is, I never figured it out as a kid. 
And I thought it was pretty good. And I'm watching this with Disney and I'm thinking maybe they're going to do that because shouldn't the cartoons and things about kids and corporations that are really targeting kids as their, their marketplace, obviously it's grown up money, but you know, you go to Disneyland because it's great for your kids uh, or fun for your kids or whatever. Are they going to stay out of it? Are they going to stay out of it? And they didn't, they almost did. They almost made it uh, all the way through. They almost made it through this whole controversy in Florida without making a comment either way, and they gave in to the pressure. And And sure enough, the Disney CEO, it was kind of late to the game. It was like already passed, so it kind of didn't matter politically, but suddenly he comes out in favor of it. And then what happens, if you're not familiar with it, is a lot of the internal training for employees came out, and it was definitely pushing this agenda. And I'm a parent who likes going to Disneyland and likes having that kind of fun. But it bothers me that we are doing anything that has anything to do sexually with the kids. Anything to do with them. I mean, you got Mickey and Minnie kissing, but they're, they're, they're a mouse. All right. Uh, and so I think uh, to the caller's point, I think um, this is something that we do need to think about. Because who's funding that? And this is a, this is a real question. Who's funding all of this. Well, anybody who's shopping, anybody who's paying money. Uh, I'm not a big favor of a lot of boycotts in favor of a lot of boycotts because they tend to have the opposite reaction. Um, the busiest day I was ever at in and out here in California and in and out as a company that has Christian values, you know, you look under the bottom of the cup and there's John three sixteen on the red ones and there's different verses on the other color cups. And uh, somebody decided to organize this big rally against In-N-Out because they're, they're pushing whatever the Christian agenda is and they must not like people. And In-N-Out was packed. Think of all the things said about Chick-fil-A. Chick-fil-A is packed. They're not even open on Sunday. And you know why Chick-fil-A is the biggest fast food company out there? It's in part because of the chicken sandwich, but also because of all the boycotts. And people are saying, I like that chicken sandwich. Even people who don't agree with Chick-fil-A's point of view, they're like, I'm going to go get that chicken sandwich. It tends to have an opposite effect. Uh, so I'm not a big fan of the boycotts. I think it kind of sometimes doesn't work. But at the same time, there is a time, and this could be the time, because it's, it's not the CEO's opinion. It's what you might be doing to the kids. It's not where the executives are investing their money. There, any company you look at, people are investing their money and in doing things that are anti-Christian or anti-what you believe morally. You can't boycott everything. And any place you spend money, it's filtering there. But in this case, we're talking about something going on nationally that is harming our kids. And I think people know this left and right. I got to take a break. This is Open Line Friday. We'll talk about anything that's on your mind. You can give me a call here at Southern California Live. The number is 888-LA-TALKS, 888-528-2557. This is the Friday edition of SoCal Live. I'm Scott Furrow. I'll be right back. I'm Scott Furrow. Great to be with you today. 888-LA-TALKS is the phone number. 888-528-2557. We're doing open line Friday. So anything that is on your mind, you can give me a call and we'll talk about it. We will change the subject to whatever's on your mind. Maybe you have a Bible question. Maybe there's something in the news. Maybe you have just some personal question that you want to have in the discussion. We can do that. 888-528-2557 today. 888-LA-TALKS is the number. 
And uh, before the break, we were talking about boycotts at uh, different places. And uh, in the city of Santa Barbara right now, Santa Barbara, Santa Barbara is preparing to ban Chick-fil-A because the drive through line is so long, they're calling it a public nuisance. <laughs> I'm not kidding. Uh, Chick-fil-A restaurants in, uh, in Santa Barbara, the line is so long to get that chicken sandwich. And I think a lot of it has to do with the Chick-fil-A sauce. That's my choice. Do you have a choice? Polynesian sauce. There's many, many wonderful things that you can add to your Chick-fil-A. Um, they want to close it down because the drive through line is so long. That sounds like a good business to me. I mean, maybe they need to, uh, you know, just add a few more Chick-fil-A restaurants in town. That's probably what's coming. Maybe the city council, instead of banning Chick-fil-A, maybe what they ought to do is encourage, give some tax breaks to those fine people in Chick-fil-A to build more restaurants, and that would reduce the lines. And they will get more money, assuming there's some kind of local sales tax on it. That is possible up there. Um, I don't know. It seems like a, a, a better way to do it. Um, but that's the way it is. And I, I understand it. I've been to places before in and out Chick-fil-A where the line is backing up traffic and I'm stuck. And I feel like I got stuck in the, an in and out line or a chicken out chicken Chick-fil-A line the other day and didn't realize it for a while. Uh, but I got out of it. 888-LA-TALKS is the phone number. 888-528-2557. Open line Friday. Anything that's on your mind, give me a call. David in Culver City. Welcome to Southern California Live. Hi there. Thanks for taking my call. Yeah, hi, David. You know, I, I, think, I think your portrayal of the bill in Florida and the lady that called about it is kind of flabby and inaccurate. We're talking I mean, about the, the uh, just so that people, hold on, just so people can catch up, we're talking about uh, a caller called and had some comments about the, what's called the Don't Say Gay bill that passed last week in Florida. All right, go ahead, David. In, okay, in Florida, first of all, they're teaching gender identity and sexual orientation it up to the third grade. They're not teaching it how to put condoms on. That's just totally inaccurate. Are you sure? That's a bit. I'm positive. I have grandchildren in Florida, yes, who go to school. All right. I've seen what they're learning. So, secondly, the bill, though, is much more expansive because it, it leaves the teachers open to legal liability if they teach these issues in a manner that's, quote, not age-appropriate or developmentally appropriate for students in accordance with state standards, which are very vague. Mm -hmm. So really, it's really shutting off discussion of sexual orientation or uh, gender identity. Now, you might not agree with that. Evangelicals might not like it. But, you know, this is a free country. This is not a country run by evangelicals. So well, hold, hold on a second. I, I appreciate your, your – yeah, I appreciate that. Let me ask you this question, though. Do you want, let's say, your – fifth, sixth, or seventh, seven-year-old hearing anything about sexual orientation or, or sex or even heterosexual sex or even, you know, anything? I mean, is that okay just in general? Grandchildren discuss this with me, yes. They don't but the, yeah, well, hold on, hold on. But they're discussing it. Wait, wait a minute, wait a minute, David. They're discussing it with you. I think that's okay if they want to discuss it with you as their grandfather and family. But should a stranger, a teacher... Somebody else, without your knowledge, without your consent, be able to teach anything related to the subject to somebody who is four years old, five, six, seven. They, At what point? Is that okay? Students, students don't go to kindergarten until five. Secondly, they're teaching it, they're discussing it as something that happens, gender identity and 
same-sex attraction. But, yeah, but I don't have a problem with them. You you don't. What if they're teaching something you don't agree with, though, David? Though, what if they're teaching something against what you believe in fifth at five years old, six years old, seven years old sexually? Are you okay with that? They are not. They but what if they were? I'm just trying to put you in that. In no, I don't think they should advocate it as a way of okay. Life. I don't think they should right. advocate heterosexuality as a way of life. I don't think teachers should be advocating values like okay. They're explaining All right. it. And having seen the curriculum, it's very values neutral. It's very uh, it's presented in a very sensitive fashion. Uh, and I think it's totally, uh, it doesn't upset children. And I understand just the mention of these issues. Uh, get some people chiffon all wet, and that's I understand that. But well, all know, right, to- all right, David. Thank you for your call. And uh, you know what, um, David, I would really challenge you to really think about what you think should be taught in any format sexually to children who are four, five, six, seven. And I'm not talking about if they ask. I'm not talking about if they come to you as a parent or a grandparent and say, hey, I heard about this. They might. Okay, my youngest son, who we have not had the talk with, asked me some interesting questions the other day. He's nine, almost ten. And, But I'm glad he asked me. I don't want him, and especially when he was younger, hearing anything about this subject when he's six years old. I think that's where, and I'll get into the bill, because David does make a point about the bill. One of the criticisms of the bill, where he's right, is that there is some language in there that's kind of vague, right? And so there's some concern about, well, what does it mean? Because there's a, there's a line in there that says um, age-appropriate language, and obviously we have some disagreement of what that is, okay? I personally, and maybe you can, you can tell me if you think I'm wrong, parents out there, parents on the left and right, I just feel like you don't want your kids having this discussion in kindergarten, wherever your religious beliefs are, whatever your moral belief is. This is a point I'm trying to make. I think that that most people, not just evangelicals, not just religious people, I think most people, and maybe I'm wrong, maybe you're going you're gonna to let me know that I'm wrong, 888-528-2557, 888-LA-TALKS. I think we feel like sex is not a conversation for little kids. I think that the studies show that they can't really comprehend it. I think that the studies show that kids who get into pornography or sexual things at a very young age are very damaged. Uh, I think we have just a lot of problems there that it's just not that simple. And then I ask the question, just from the standpoint of education, why are we wasting this time during these crucial years for kids to learn math, whichever way you want to teach math, as long as the answer works, teach English, teach grammar, teach science, teach the things that are going to make the kids successful in life. Why are we wasting so much time on this in our public schools? And then I would also tell you that I think, and David, I hope that in your situation, your kids aren't receiving instruction about putting condoms on with their seven years old and things like this. However, I can tell you that it has happened and it's happened a lot. There have been horrific things right here in Los Angeles in different schools that have gone on that I don't even know if I can talk about on the air that have happened to little kids. 
in the classroom by usually people with an agenda. 888-528-2557 is the number. This is Southern California Live. Scott Furrow with you today. 888-LA-TALKS. Let's go to Carol in Costa Mesa. Carol, welcome to Southern California Live. Great to hear your voice. Hi, Carol. I wanted to ask, um, do, does the government uh, prevent the, in subsidizing charter schools, are they preventing them from speaking or, or teaching what they want to teach about religion? This is what I, the feedback I'm getting from my daughter who's an aide to a is, charter is, school. She's an aide in a, in a charter school, so a public charter school. Right. Right. Um, all right, Carol, thank you for your call. You know, I could probably bring in somebody to really talk about that. But my understanding is that really in any school, probably you can talk about religion, you can answer questions, but you can't really push it. That you're, even if you are, you know, whatever your point of view is, you can't be saying this religion is right and this religion is wrong. You eventually, if you get into that in the public school, you're going to, to explore the area of First Amendment rights and separation of church and state, where the state is not supposed to um, have any religion. We get this wrong where we think that the state's not allowed to talk about it. They are allowed to talk about it. I mean, obviously, we have our, our history of politicians who have invoked Scripture and invoked prayer to God, and we have national days of prayer and all of that kind of stuff. It's not unconstitutional, but it is unconstitutional for the state to make you be a particular religion uh, or to, to dictate your views on that. My, my thought is this, is that if they're being told in a public school, a charter school, and charter schools usually have a few more, a little bit more flexibility, that's what makes them a charter school. My thought is if they're being told not to discuss religion, what your, your daughter should do is you know, one thing she could do is write me. I have a great contact for her. Write me at SoCalLive at KKLA.com, SoCalLive at KKLA.com. Understand what her rights are. Understand that you know there might be things that she wants to say or do that she can't or that she has to go about it a different way. One of the things I've learned is that if you go about it in the right way, the, the, whatever, the walls are, whatever walls are up in the public school uh, against Christianity or against your faith. They come down pretty fast when you're a good servant. And faith clubs and some other things are usually allowed as long as they're student-driven. There's actually a lot of access if you just do it according to what's been laid out. And um, that is a good thing. That's a good thing. You're listening to Southern California Live. The number is 888-LA-TALKS, 888-528-2557. This is the Friday edition of SoCal Live. I'm Scott Furrow. I'll be back in just a moment. Stay tuned. Welcome back, everybody. Southern California Live. Scott Furrow with you today. Our number is 888-LA-TALKS, 888-528-2557. Open line Friday. Anything that's on your mind, you can join the conversation or start the conversation that we're having today. 888-528-2557 is the number. I always encourage you to put that right in your phone. That way, you are always ready to join our conversation when you have something to add or a question to ask, something that is on your mind. And we like having you here at the conversation table today, 888-528-2557. Plus, if you can't get to the phone but you want to join in, you can email me, SoCalLive at KKLA.com, SoCalLive at KKLA.com. 
Ronnie from Los Angeles, welcome to Southern California Live. Ronnie, you there? All right, Ronnie. Up from, all right, we'll, we'll check on you. All right, going to check on you in just a second, Ronnie. You're still hanging out there. 888-528-2557. We'll come back to Ronnie in just a minute. We Some of the discussion in this hour that people have brought up is about teaching in, in the schools. And one of our callers was talking about, in particular, the, what's called the Don't Say Gay Bill, but it's not actually what it's called. It's a you know political way. There's all kinds of political ways that we define bills. Left and right does it. You know, the left is much better at it than the right, you know, as far as redefining the narrative of something that needs to get done by it. Uh, this happens in Congress all the time. It'll be the, you know, the uh, Equal Pay Act for whoever, and then one side will vote it down because what the act really does is spend a whole bunch of money on some programs that have nothing to do with equal pay. And then, but there's one line in it about equal pay, so they call it the Equal Pay Act, and really it's just a political maneuver to get. Uh, bad press for the other side. That happens sometimes, and uh, that goes on here. Some of the things that are in the uh, bill, the Don't Say Gay bill, uh, as it's called, is, is, you know, that people are saying this is the sentence, classroom instruction by school personnel or third parties on sexual orientation or gender identity may not occur in kindergarten through grade three, or in a manner that is not age appropriate or developmentally appropriate for students in accordance with state standards. So what some people would argue against that is to say, well, it's vague. It doesn't really say, particularly after grade three, what is age appropriate or developmentally appropriate. What I would point out here is that everybody obviously knows there is an appropriate way to deal with these things for certain ages. When my youngest was, I don't know, five or six, he started asking me where babies come from. Well, should I tell my six-year-old very specifically what occurs in all of that? Or should I be general and say, well, when a mommy and a daddy loves each other and the baby, you know, baby gets made without getting into it, that's what I did. And thankfully, somehow I changed the subject to something else. But, you know, he's 13 now. Now we're going to have that conversation. And we did. And he giggled all the way through it, but he got through it. Uh, and I think it was appropriate. I think we know this. This is, I guess, one of the arguments that I'm making here is I think we know instinctively as human beings that certain things are just not appropriate at certain ages, and the studies show this. Ronnie in Los Angeles, you with us now? Yes, I am. Hi, Ronnie. Hi. I'm glad we got you. What's on your uh, mind today? Yep, you're on. Oh, okay. Well, yeah, I agree with uh, that last caller completely, and I have a cute story that this little boy uh, asked his dad where he came from. So the dad thought, oh, dear, you know, and he started giving him this uh, uh, story of, you know, how he was conceived. And then he goes, well, Johnny said he was from Arizona. (laughs) So, so, yeah, most children uh, are pretty innocent in those young years. And that last caller that I just heard you know, it was pretty good. So, uh, yeah, there's age appropriate for most things. And the young, those young innocent ones uh, don't need all that. Well, uh, yeah, thank you, Ronnie. I think one of the points, too, that we're trying to make here, and you were, as you say this, you know, he asked his dad, you know, where do babies come from? That's one of the points mm-hmm. here 
Ronnie, is that no, he, he, asked his, he asked his dad, and not it wasn't. Before, yeah. It's what? The caller before me. Yeah, no, no. I'm, I'm. What I'm making the point here too, for just for for listeners. And Ronnie, thank you for for calling. I appreciate that. For for listeners in the discussion, is that even that even the caller who agrees with the bill in Florida was talking about how he was having conversation. David was having conversation with his grandkids, and what I would argue as a parent is that there are certain things that should be reserved for parents. And if you get old enough and the parents haven't had that conversation with the kids, then maybe there is something necessary to happen in the schools. But for little kids, you're talking about a four-year-old or a five-year-old having a conversation with his dad. Where do babies come from? And I thought he came from Arizona. It's hilarious. But see, that's, that's the thing is where do parents fit into this? And that is, that is, in my mind, some of the bigger issue and that I don't think should be sort of left and right. Some of the other things in the, the bill, so it's focused, most of the conversation and controversy are focused on the gender and sexuality issues. But there's also a parental notification issue. And this goes to what also was brought up about teachers maybe being concerned about what they say. Schools would be required, according to the bill, to notify parents when children receive mental, emotional, or physical health services, unless educators believe there is a risk of abuse, abandonment, or neglect. Now, let me ask you as a parent, if your five-year-old, six-year-old, seven-year-old, eight-year-old, maybe any age, if they are receiving mental, emotional, or physical health services from the school, don't you want to know? Shouldn't the school inform the parents that, hey, your child is having a serious problem here? You know, some kids are pretty good at hiding things from their parents. You know, some parents are pretty good at instinctively knowing that something's going on. Sometimes, you know, it's kids are pretty good. And then you have a crisis at home, a, a mental illness crisis with the child, emotional or physical health problem, and you didn't know about it. See, there's something else that's going on here that's way beyond just the issues of gender and sexuality. That's just part of it. It's taking parents out of the loop. Parents, according to this bill, would have the right to opt their children out of counseling and health services. Parents could sue schools. This is where people were concerned for violating the vaguely written bill. That's the, this is, I'm reading the New York Times, so that's their, their political line in there. Uh, <laughs> that's what they say. And the districts would have to cover the costs. Um, see what I'm saying here as a parent? This is what I'm trying to drill down as, as parents regardless of your political point of view, regardless even of your opinion about sexuality or gender issues, do, don't parents have a right to know what's going on with their kids? Especially their real little kids. I was surprised to find out that once my son James turned 12, I'm not allowed access to his medical records in California. Did you know that? I was stunned. So that means he can go to the doctor on himself for certain things and he can go and get certain medications. He can have certain treatments and the doctor's not allowed to tell me about it. At what age is that important? At what age do we be, what age do we become independent with our health care? And at what age do we need parents to be involved? I argue that parents need to be involved. I would like to know. I would like to know if my son is getting some kind of vaccination or not getting a vaccination or making some kind of health care decision on his own 
or if I had a daughter, I know if you've got little girls, you want to know what kind of treatment they might be getting. And yes, there is a problem with abuse and some other things. And fortunately, that bill does have an out for that. But that's the scary part, right, is at what point do you as the teacher determine that there's a risk of abuse, abandonment, or neglect? It's just part of the horrific society that we're we're living in here uh, <clears throat> that we have to worry about this, but we do. My thought is that parents need to be informed about what their kids are. And is this a right and left issue, or is this something that we agree with. 888-528-2557, 888-LA-TALKS. Lincoln from Burbank, welcome to Southern California Live. Hi, how are you doing? I'm doing fine, Lincoln. How are you? Doing great, thanks. Yeah. What's on so your mind? I just, wanted to, I just wanted to bring up a point that you had mentioned earlier. So you, had, you, had talk, you had brought up Bert and Ernie from Sesame Street and said that there was some criticism there about, you know, they're just Muppets. They're not sexual characters. But then a couple sentences later, you brought up Mickey and Minnie. But, oh, it's okay. They're just mice. So I just, I'm just curious what the discrepancy you see is there, because I feel like if we're going to have a conversation about, you know, talking to kids about about sex and relationships, then that should extend to heterosexual couples as well. I just, I'm just confused where the, the divide is, where same-sex LGBT relationships are not okay, but characters like Mickey and Minnie are, in, are okay to teach kids. Yeah. Okay, Lincoln, I appreciate that. That's a good question. Earlier in the hour, uh, I forget exactly how this came up. Oh, somebody asked about the Disney's uh, involvement um, politically with the what's called the Don't Say Gay Bill in Florida, which we talked about a lot this hour. And I pointed out that years ago, there was a lot of pressure on the Sesame Street people to declare that Bert and Ernie were gay. And what they, their answer to it was, our Muppets are not sexual, so they're not anything. We're just not going to talk about that. These are for kids. And I thought that was a good idea. And this caller, I only have a minute here to go, uh, is saying that, well, you mentioned then that Mickey and Minnie are together. And, uh, you know, I think that's a that's a interesting point that you would say there, but we should not talk about Mickey and Minnie having sex. Uh, kissing each other, you know, if Bert and Ernie were to kiss, it brings up something that... Um, you know, yeah, is I would have an opinion about that. But either way, they should be non-sexual characters. Cartoons should not be doing that, and Muppets should not be doing that, and things that are targeted towards children should not be doing that. You know, on YouTube, if you upload a video, you have to mark something about whether it's appropriate for children, and you'll get in all kinds of trouble or banned if they determine what you put on there is not appropriate for children. Where do you draw that line? Even YouTube knows that there's some line that gets crossed here. Anyway, Lincoln, that is a good question. I appreciate your call. I'm out of time. This is Southern California Live. Scott Furrow with you. We'll be back for hour two of the Friday edition of Southern California Live. Stay tuned. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. 
The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.